we're not doing intros anymore, are we? Sorry. No. We're just going to talk about Harry and the latest smash hit. The quickest selling non-fiction book of all time. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Cold Spare Cold sold 1.4 million copies on its first day of release. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was one such copy. Yeah, so um, is I. Yeah. But I've not really got around to reading it, whereas you've read how much of it now? I've read 20% of it. It's surprisingly <laughs> a long, quite boring book Okay, that requires a lot of motivation to keep. But I've read it all for for you, for our beloved listener, so I can have a take. Do you think you can give a review? Um, could I give a review? Based on that, based on that. I mean, I would say that the writing is... Um, a bit obvious, a bit on the nose, lacking in in subtlety for sure. The writing's poor. The writing is poor. But wait, didn't you say that the introduction was really bad? The and introduction, in particular, the first chapter. And he's clearly written that. Yes. Whereas the ghostwriter has helped with the rest. That's what I would. That's what I would think. I don't know that for sure, but the introduction is shocking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, my kind of big takes away from the book is that, A, this is a man who has always deeply resented the fact he was in this family and hasn't really had an attitude of, well, you know, this is my lot in life. I'm going to make the best of it. And things could be worse. And things could be worse. It's a lot of kicking and screaming. and Really, though? Yes. Is it that negative? Yes. It's like, talks about it. Like, I can't even tell you the terms in which he talks about how horrible his life is. Like, he refers to the boys he goes to at, he refers to the other boys at the Eton school, the best school in the world, as abandoned children. And, like, there's just so much drama at every, Mm. at every stage. He compares himself to Hamlet Oh, wow. At one point, he compares himself to the Buddha. Not the, all the <laughs> other ones, but the other Buddhas. Okay. Who was a prince who walked out to go be spiritual somewhere. Um, it really just... And the obvious place for that is LA. Yeah. Yeah, to go be in tune and spiritual. I have heard that it's a lot of moaning. But then I also know that the British both love to moan and love to decry moaning. Right. So I thought, oh, maybe that's unfair in the press. I have um, heard of this notorious bit which says, and he's clearly got this from Megan, and Megan's got it from California culture, but where he says, you know, various reports have happened, but I have my truth and I'm... I'm entitled you know yeah, to my truth. Me, can I go get my Kindle so I can yes. get the exact quotes and notes? Okay. One moment. You should have got your Kindle before, by the way. You're ill-prepared. I am ill-prepared. Sorry. <sighs> okay. Like, no, it's very clear they've gotten to him. And I've seen... Um, I've seen lots of um, commentators in the British press making... Like, oh, he's been taken in by therapy culture, and that's definitely the case. Just having to scroll through. Um, Okay, here we go. 
Things like chronology and cause and effect are just fables we tell ourselves about oh the past. Oh my god, he is fully postmodern. Completely. Whatever. Whatever the cause, my memory is my memory. It does what it does, gathers and curates as it sees fit. And there is just as much truth in what I can remember and how I remember it as there is in so-called objective fact. Well, that's just a lie. No, I remember <laughs> that... You know, we went to Disneyland on a Tuesday, but it was actually a Monday. One of those things is objective fact. Um, We actually went to the zoo. Yeah, yeah. The thing that... So this is the problem anyway with all of this postmodern garbage that's come from post-structuralism, which is this conflation of subject and object. You can have objective truth in that things can be more true objectively than not. right. As part of that, you can make the claim that, okay, you know what? I remember, though, that it wasn't the zoo we went to. It was Disneyland. And in my memory, that happened. And I had this traumatic experience with Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And it's really affected me. And that's my subjective... You know, this is this is the impact. Subjective experience. Subjective experience. And yeah. here's the real consequences for me. Yes. Nobody has to claim objectivity for this to be real and true. Yeah, yeah. Ab- about what the impact has been on you. But then that the way that you would help someone is say, but all that didn't happen. Let's work out what really happened and why it is that somehow these things have been conflated. This is the thing. Well, this is why Freud is so useful. Is this this thing called après coup, mm. which means before, after in French, and it's that when you have a particular experience and memory, usually in childhood, it can sometimes not exactly become changed, but come to represent other things later on. Right. And so he never says like, "This is made up," but he'll say that had a particular meaning mm. that only later. Um, really became significant. So it's like, I don't know, your dad calls you a twerp when you're two. Your dad then, when you're seven, starts calling you a twerp every day. That two-year-old memory has a very different meaning. And when you remember it, it then has a traumatic effect because you're like, wow, my dad's derision of me actually began at an inappropriate age to call anybody a twerp. Right? Right. If you're going to do that at all. So you, I, just, I just hate it. I hate it. Why do they need to try and make this up to the standard of like science and objectivity when it's just as valid to say, I've been told that some of the things I remember weren't exactly right or didn't happen in the right chronology, but the impact on me was like this and this Or why don't you just say like, there's no way that I can get every detail of my life correct. This is just my recollection of it. Yeah. Mistakes may be inside. And with something being technically incorrect, it doesn't take away from the, the overall substance of the emotional impact that, on me. Yeah, people are being shitty about it online and a bit unfair. Like, I saw one TikTok where a woman was like, Harry says Princess Diana got him an Xbox for his birthday in 1997. But the Xbox did come out to 2001. It's like, okay, he misremembered that. It's a very unimportant detail. Well, it'll be a PlayStation or someone else bought him that later and he thinks that that came from his mum. Yeah. It's just a very unimportant detail as well. it's hard to remember your birthday gifts. Yeah, exactly. So, But if it was a detail that was significant as well, it's not significant in any sense. Well, if he was making a claim of like, 
my what was it when my, he says my brother pushed me in a dog bowl yes and it turned out that prince william was out of the country for those two for that year he said it happened you could say well he got the year wrong but he'd have to concede okay i must have got the year wrong but the incident happened yes yeah but it's not even that big no but i hate this this he's crystallizing exactly what this moronic postmodern yeah i am my own truth what i say is real what i say is true and it's objective reality yes. and you can see completely then how what i say about myself is true you know if i say i'm a man or i say i'm a basset hound all of these things are just true by me saying yes. you can see in this just stupid sentence yeah yeah, yeah. all of that nonsense and i think like what i really get from both him and megan is this struggle to take control of the public narrative they seem completely obsessed with it of like oh we have to set tell our story and set the record straight it's just like let it go lots of people were on your side before you started on this project by the way you haven't really helped yourself i didn't know many british people who were particularly upset about you leaving the royal family until you decided to go on oprah and do a netflix documentary and release a book like you've really undermined people's goodwill also there's not anything that we didn't really know like if someone asked me to speculate Mm. and they said look jen prince harry's life it was worse than what you think for him and the beef with him and his brother is worse than what you think and then they said ghostwrite a biography i'd probably come up with this yeah there's nothing extraordinary here no no and it just i think people's goodwill has been eroded but it's also ego stroking megan's found a new way to stroke his ego that he's not encountered which is you know he's already been told he's a prince he's already been told he's special or whatever he now gets to hear well it's your truth and he'll yeah. be like, oh, yes, it is. It is my bloody truth. It chimes actually with his status yeah. and that he feels he can have the authority to go, well, it doesn't matter because that's what I recall. Yeah. Men do that all the time. It, yeah, they do. Middle class women with authority make those kind of claims all the time yeah, over yeah. above others with less status and value in society. Yeah. I mean, here's some other sections. I just found it quite funny as well. He doesn't do this a lot or he cuts it out later where he tries to make out like he doesn't like the poshness or the poshness is too much, where I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. You fully are from that class. That's your complete background, your entire developmental years. There is no reason why you wouldn't like posh things or be posh yourself. The only thing I'd say to that is, is he not doing what I do a bit, which I'll criticise Britishness, but actually I feel so at home in it and I feel like it's so familiar. And in that sense, I love it. But I am actually quite critical in many ways. I guess so, but I don't think that it's that sophisticated. Okay. Like, for example, this quote. Footman, bone china, it sounds posh, and I suppose it was. Yes, it's the royal fucking family. Under those fancy domes were just kitty stuff. Fish fingers, cottage pies, roast chicken, green peas. He's just like, I think, trying to do apologetics for being incredibly posh and in the royal family. It's just like, this would have been so much better if it were a bit more honest and not trying to do this, I am a perpetual victim. Well, he's not an everyman. No, you're not an everyman. You're just, just be not. Honest. It's fine, but you're just not. And you never will be. There's loads of things that you'll never be. I'll never be six foot and be able to slam dunk. I've had to come to terms with this. He has to come to terms with that he's like the 
he's like third poshest aristocrat ever or whatever, certainly when he was third in line to the throne. And that's just how it is. Yeah, like, and he and he tries to make it about how it's how it's connected to Diana, how he's connected to Diana. I inherited this from her. I thought along with her nose, her blue eyes, and her love of people, her hatred of smugness, fakery, and all things posh. Let's be real, Harry, Harry, Harry. Diana. Diana was from an aristocratic family. Yes. Diana didn't hate all things posh. She was no. posh. Be who you are. That's this whole thing about this, like, oh, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be... It's so inauthentic. Yeah. It's like, I don't believe you. And also, I don't hold it against you either, if that's just who well, you are. It's trying to be liberal, middle of the road. Yes. And so that he, he... This is what he thinks will make people connect with him. But actually, it's only ever being authentic yeah. that makes anyone connect quote unquote connect with you and you know yeah diana very posh also when she died was going out with a man who was the son of a maybe billionaire but certainly multi 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 millionaire the the guy that was about to inherit harrods the posher shop in the uk yeah so i mean what he's trying to allude to there maybe is that there were some normal men that she dated actually like that pakistani surgeon guy but this is, you know, unusual. And it, it was just that maybe she was not completely one-dimensional, like most people. Yes. But and that she was willing to date outside her class. Well, I also think it has to do with, oh, like, we're relatable. We don't like skiing in the Alps and... They do. Polo and... You do. They you do. do. <laughs> just own it. It's fine. You are who you are. You Like, this apologia for your class background, as if it isn't obvious to everyone that your your father is the king of england yeah for fuck's sake like it's fine this is it would have been better if he was like this is what like i mean this is just above his head and not possible for him but if he did a bit of a this is what poshness is like yeah and you came away reading from reading it going oh i really get it and he's funny and I, and I understand I understand what motivates those people. I understand their yeah. psyche. I understand their culture. Well, oh, it, that makes sense. It would have required introspection, insight, being a bit funny, yeah. being able to be self-deprecating in a way that he... Apparently he is self-deprecating, but it's in these stock ways that it's really just offensive. So apparently he does say, yeah, I'm thick. But yes, it's like, well, does. look, the press has called you thick. We already know. And then what else can you do other than make a defensive joke out of it? Yeah. I, I would expect him to maybe say something a bit more reflective about being thick even, but I don't think he is very reflective and that's kind of just it. No, no. There's lots of, I mean, I have, I reach from, I mean, the bits I cried at his description of his mother dying, I think it's unbelievable they went to church the next day. They were like, let's just literally continue on as totally normal and his response to his mother dying which i think is very typical for children is that he just was in full denial right and i don't think he ever broke out of that denial ever it sounds like his it's just a complete defensive mechanism he hasn't accepted his mother has died he was like oh she's in hiding and she's going to come out any day now and he was still believing that at like 16 17 well he thought it was like a conspiracy yeah he was like oh she wanted to get away she faked her own death at some point she's like, gonna come back like when people try to say Tupac isn't dead 
Right. Because they just want him to con- come back and continue his great rap albums at some point. Except it's your own mother, so it's well, a bit more intimate. Yeah. Right, but it's the same, right? Yeah. It's like a delusional conspiracy that people put forward. Yes. And it's clearly hopeful. And the bit, one of the big things, particularly in his early years, when you're reading about his adolescence and his childhood, when he was spending a lot of time with William, is that the, the roaring contempt and resentment from to his brother, who sounded like an incredibly normal teenager, um, and if anything, a bit supportive and nice. Yeah, I came across that bit where he says, William told me, we don't know each other at school once Harry started going to Eton. But he doesn't Harry realise this is but this is the thing. Posh people don't have conversations, right. let alone I mean definitely not personal conversations. That's normal for siblings. A sibling that is two, three years older doesn't want to speak to you at school. They're interested in their peer of group. Of course not. Of which you are not in. Well, yeah, and like it's absolute as because an old elder sibling, it's absolutely mortifying. You don't want to be seen in like a five kilometer radius. This is like very developmentally normal. And he makes it very, very personal as if it was a personal slight. And you could say, I guess, it was a vulnerable time in their life. His mother just died. But no one's told what? him, Harry, this is normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have like a reality checker. And like I am not the kind of, like, Marxist who makes this into, like, a funny identity politics thing where I, like, I hate rich people or something. Like, I understand being wealthy comes with, or coming from this kind of class background would come with its own psychological problems. And restrictions. And restrictions and issues. Like, I'm not stupid. But the fucking drama about it. For example, when talking about his time in Ludgrove School, Mr. Marston, while patrolling the dining room, often carried a little bell. It reminded me of the bell at the front desk of a hotel. Ding, have you a room? He'd bring the bell whenever he wanted to get a group of boys' attention. The sound was constant, utterly pointless. Abandoned children do not care about a bell. You are going to one of the best schools in the English-speaking world. You have very supportive parents. Abandoned. You know who's abandoned? Children on the side of the road in India. Please, 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 please. The drama. You were not abandoned. I couldn't believe it. You are right. But then they do have those support groups of people that went to boarding school. Yeah. Because it does fuck them up. But I think they're mainly people that went at seven. And I, I mean, I think that, fine, you could talk about the difficulty of going to boarding schools. I think it's a very weird cultural thing that British people do. And it would be worthy of some kind of introspection. And especially around the death of your mother and how you might have felt abandoned and isolated. But it's just the hitting over the head with the mm. sob story and the moaning. And the, it's just like it's a, there's a total lack of subtlety. And again, a total lack of awareness of the absolute... Privilege. privilege. The roaring, roaring, roaring privilege. There's just not a single bit of acknowledgement of that whatsoever. And how could he? He doesn't know. I sincerely believe he doesn't have a single clue how ordinary people live. Like, he does not know. Like, this is what he said. Oh, what would you be doing if you weren't in the royal family? Oh, I'd be doing conservation work in Africa. No, you wouldn't. You had two A-levels. You'd be working at fucking Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> he does not have a clue. I uh, I feel like is he is he really revealing about conversations with his father and brother and snide about them? Yes. So this for me, less his father, more his brother. His, his brother seems to be the more of the um, 
subject of this total so so what i find astonishing though i understand that they've always played a bit of a game with the media so he thought i can use the media in this way because the media is available to him right and it isn't most people for me as a very private person which williams described himself as and of course they are right because you have to have this public front and then certain things are private a bit like everybody but theirs must be in technicolor right like what you do in public and then in private I feel like in private, things could go on between me and someone where, yeah, they really insult me and, you know, they punch me and throw me in a dog bowl, whatever it is that's happened. Once you take it, and it could be forgiven and repaired, once you take it out of the relationship of just the two of you and you put it out into the world and it becomes uncontrollable then, the impact... I feel like that's very hard to repair. Yeah. If I was his brother... Oh, no, I'd never speak to him again. There's a very big chance I'd never speak to him again. No, it's horrific. And and why? And, I mean, and, I mean, it's, I don't understand why you'd have to go through this, why you'd have to do this. It seems like, despite the dog bowl incident, William was the one who really wanted to kind of pair, patch things up. And there seemed to have been several attempts where there is meetings between Harry, William and Charles, where there is an attempt to talk about things. Just doing this book, it's just so petty. It's just really, really well, petty. I, I didn't think it would be revealing the things that have happened with him in interactions with other people, because for me, that's crossing a line. I assumed it was more, I don't know, here's some descriptive fluff about how I feel. Not, you not know? at all word for word dialogue, what was said absolutely verbatim just but what's really odd again is he doesn't need to understand nothing that bad other than your mom dying has happened to you yeah so again there is no big reveal that i really can feel like other than oh, okay the beef is worse than we know his dad is more stern and whatever like took him to church the next day his dad is more incompetent than we than we knew well his dad's just a stuffy british yeah, person who doesn't talk about his feelings but you know what his dad comes across very well right when he was like not doing well in his a levels his dad was like well you don't need to go to university that's fine maybe it's not for you mm-hmm. you should go on a gap year and do some traveling and we'll find something for you when you come back and it's nice it was just a very his dad seems completely I think reasonable. his dad's a normal man. Very normal. Of his class. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I think his brother's probably similar, but more like his dad and Harry's more like his mom. But I think Harry's not understood this thing of there is a value to privacy. And when you're thinking about reconciliation, which he will when he's older, right? Family becomes more important as you get older. There will be a barrier because William can't do what he's done because he's going to be the king. He can't write a tell-all book no. and be like, actually, he shoved me in the dog bowl or whatever it was or that happened. Or whatever other bad behaviour Harry got up to. Which we know he way, has, Which right? we know he has. Like, it's just, it is really unfair and very unequal. Yes. And I just find it, I don't know what he's gained from it because I no. don't think he has put his voice out other than we understand now how maybe, I mean, it's obvious, but like how bad it was for him with his mum dying. A book on that kind of thing, fine. And like the rest of his life. But I don't know. I just find that I I kind of think of it as a form of grassing when you go to the press about this person said this and they did that and they snapped my necklace. necklace. I just think, well, you're you're a grass. It's really (laughs) like, um, 
insolent and mm. um, undignified yeah. and like petty and really not not acceptable to be honest and like I don't know William has children like it's just not fair to put, a position, uh, that, put someone in a position like that 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 uh, snippet about Kate when Megan said oh it's your baby brain I don't think it's mentioned in the book That's oh something okay it's something else out. when this thing about basically making reference to her hormones and they tried to explain to Megan Megan we're not close yeah you don't bring up someone's hormones even as a joke if it's if you're not close. And then Megan said, oh, what I talk about the hormones of all my girlfriends. I mean, the fact that Kate, uh, apparently William just went, it's rude, Megan. <laughs> but what Kate should have said is, we're not friends. Yeah. We're not fucking friends. No. You're my sister-in-law, which actually forecloses us of being friends. We can be more than friends if we get on really well as yeah. like family, yeah. but we'll never be just friends. No, the boundaries are so wide open and off and weird where it's like everyone in your life, you become in this L.A. self-help culture stuff, you become incredibly over-familiar with. Yeah. But then there's also, with that over-familiarity, just a total lack of respect for boundaries. I bet, I bet Megan sold him on the chosen family bullshit. Yeah. Well, they don't have to be your family if you don't want them to be. You can have a chosen family, i.e. me and our two kids. It's like, well, it's actually usually important to people to have lifelong relationships. And also, we're not monarchists. I'm not a monarchist. I think the whole thing should be abolished. I think all their land should be um, confiscated. All their wealth should be confiscated and distributed to the people. And I think they should be forced to work at a mine. Or a, or a chip shop, at least. Or a chip shop or something similar. I'm completely against the entire institution. But Harry has said that he believes in the monarchy and he is a monarchist. Your family is supposed to be the embodiment of the British state. Your yeah. family is supposed to be stable. The whole idea behind a constitutional monarchy is we have the parliament where everything's tumultuous and whatever. And then you have the stable symbol of the, of the secure British state, which is the royal family. Yes, you are a symbol. Yes, you're... And in that is there some objectification and some lack of personhood. Yes. But, oh my God, do you not think people experience similar kind of objectification? What women go through with being the mother in the family. You know, you're not, you're not allowed to have... When you're a single mom with three kids and you're working 70 hours a week to provide for your family, you're not allowed to have, like, internal feelings and tell your truth and be vulnerable. You think you're the only kinds of person who's experienced this kind of objectification. It's just ridiculous... For example, in reference to the press, I was a cartoon character, a glove puppet to be manipulated and mocked for fun. So what if their fun made me already, my already difficult days more difficult, made me a laughingstock before my schoolmates, not to mention the wider world? So what if they were torturing a child? All was justified because I was royal, and in their minds, royal was synonymous with non-person. Centuries ago, royal men and women were considered divine. Now they were considered insects. What fun to pluck their wings. First of all, not true that you were ever considered divine. You were considered divinely appointed. This is very different. No one thought you were... Maybe like in pre-Christianity, people would worship you as gods. Hasn't been that way in a long time. Second of all, like, yes, it was very difficult for you to have the... But they weren't treated like a subhuman, Harry. No. No one made you go to a, a concentration camp. No, exactly. At least, didn't, at least he didn't call it in a concentration camp. I mean, the British press are horrendous. Yeah. They just, they've they've made people commit suicide yeah. with how awful they've been. Look what they did to Jeremy Corbyn. 
the yeah. lost his mind yeah. over how fucking horrendous they are, right? And how much they rip you apart personally. Caroline Flack. Yeah. Yeah. She killed her. That's the one that killed herself, right? Yeah. So I just, yeah, it's over the top. This is the thing that sometimes, but it's just, why didn't the ghostwriter get it right? He's making an okay point, but he's using a sledgehammer rather than a finely tuned screwdriver. But he should just make a certain point. Because this is the thing as well. I wish people would learn this. And and British people generally know this. He should know this. If you understate something, Mm. it means more a lot of the time. It's true, yeah. There's no understating anything in this book. It's just... Oh, it's Megan. It's bloody Megan and the Californians. (laughs) Yeah, but I—I I mean, I don't know whether the writer could have really, you know, fine-tuned this. I want to play the bit that everyone's been going mad about on Twitter, which is the Freudian. Okay, so listen to this. How posh is this guy? Honestly, I mean, this is how petty William is. Oh God, all right. This I'll is how petty the, the 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 feud with William is. He makes a point of like how he saves his brother in scraps and fights with other boys in school and with their guides in Africa and stuff. And he said, um, the younger brother was supposed to save me, not the other way around. I was the younger brother. He was supposed to save me, not the other way around. So he can't even help himself. He was like, oh yeah, you lost all our school fights too. You're, 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 you're soft. You're soft. You're wet. <laughs> just can't help himself. Well, it's probably true. I think that... Um who's more physically capable probably is Harry. But there we go. <laughs> I don't think it's worth mentioning. Really no, it's not. Of course it's not. No. Like, you just shouldn't embarrass people. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like, honestly, just... and especially if, you, look, if you hate a family member, the most you can do, do nothing, don't speak about it. Don't speak to them, maybe. But don't advertise you don't speak to them. No. Like, this is so... Undignified. Yeah. Okay. Let me play this crazy of bit. Undignified. Extremely sensitive. Oh, hang on. He's on about his penis. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. First of all, a part of your body can't be traumatized. Come on. Yes, it can. Is he using a medical term? I, I, Just well, means very it. painful. Yeah, that's true. I guess so. You would never be like, my hand My hand is traumatised. You'd be like, my hand is so... I'm in so much pain. Hmm. So anyway, this is a first slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, no, Harry, you're traumatised. Yeah, it is. The last place I wanted to be was Frost Nipperstown. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? Mm. It wa- Oh God! It's so oh, wow, we've already, oh, we've already, we, oh. we already know where this is going. Freud, it's not that Freud is turning his grave. Freud's just like nodding in his grave, being like, "Hmm, yes, yes, that's exactly it." Terry, trust me. I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room, and I took a smidge and applied it down there. You're the I mean, Freudian, I'm letting you take this one. The next line is obviously, it felt like my mum was there. <laughs> I mean, this is obvious, right? Uh, gosh. Well, I mean, you don't need to be a Freudian to get that. Like, yeah, okay. Do you have any extra special commentary, though? Because I don't have any other than... I know, it's so blatant. Yeah. Like, I, what I'm surprised about is it's so on the surface, but it's because she's died. Right. If he was older, well, he'd... Mm. Uh, sorry, if she was alive... Yeah. He'd have a disgust reaction to that. 
Right. Because he'd be like, oh, this reminds me of my mom and I have to put it on my dick. Oh, because she's gone. Right. And therefore there's incest that is foreclosed. Right. So there's no taboo around it. I see. There's, so there's no disgust reaction. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Often when people have a disgust reaction, it's because unconsciously there was something there once. Right. Like when sex scenes come on TV when you're sat with your parents, it's like torturous right it's just because once there were no boundaries between you and you didn't feel any boundaries between like your body and theirs right and then of course then when you see that happening on screen it's it's just awful yeah because you've you've repressed all of it Mm. that there was once no boundaries between your baby body and their adult handling of you right so anyway this is because she's dead that he has this? It's actually not uh, normal. It would be uh, it would be abnormal if she was alive, right? So because she's dead, this is not necessarily like you're about to have a major psychological problem. No, and like if you, he's not a pervert. No, if he's she not. Was, if she was alive, he'd be a pervert. If he said the same thing, but right. he wouldn't. He'd have a disgust reaction. And never speak about it. Right, right. But sorry, go on. No, I mean, I just, I just to pick your. Brain, you're for you. So this thing of just being in denial, because he said Sorry. like, he said like, um, oh, I've never been able to cry, haven't cried. He said he cried once as she, they were lowering her coffin into the grave. This is the only time. Mm. Is that going to mean he's going to have a breakdown later in life? No, I think it's why he's been mourning, grieving her for so long. Right, because he hasn't processed it. No. no. Like, when he said that as an adult, he doesn't say what year, but I assume in his 20s, that he drove through the tunnel in Paris where she died. Yeah. And then he said, oh, I thought that would mean that I could put it to bed. And actually, it opened up a whole new, you know, period of mourning. If you don't deal with these things, they just last forever. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what people who are avoidant and repressed things, that's what happens. Then you end up doing things like marrying a woman. Well, we all do that a bit, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And making it the central thing in your life. Yeah. Because it's very clear to me, like, I I think what reads inauthentic about the book is that he, it's very clear that he's retrojected his um, contempt towards both his brother, a bit his father, and the institution. He's retrojected that back into his childhood. Right. I am sure that, like, there is, there was real resentment, contempt, difficulty with being in that institution growing up. But he, but what, how I know that it's fake is that he doesn't mention any of the, um, any of the benefits in any kind of honest Mm, way. Yes. He never says, um, you know, despite this, I was, he talked about a trip to Africa that he went on that was really important in his life and um, was really enjoyable. But it was never, wow, because I'm royal, I get this amazing opportunity. Or, oh, in our royal family, we went to we went to Balmoral. It was beautiful. I loved being there. There's no, there's no um, frankness about the benefits of this sort of upbringing. Right. And the, the, or, you know, even the fact that I got two A-levels, but I was still able to be... And that he's never had to have a job. And I've never had to have... There's no... There's no... Or even the details. There's no... Um, Discussing of the benefits of the details. Uh, you know, so it just seems to me that he's retrojected all this contempt back out onto the story. I don't believe necessarily that he this was his experience, subjective experience of it growing up. 
Because how, how would you know any different? You're not like some angel who happens not to be posh and happens to have all this insight about how yeah. this is a terrible institution as a 15-year-old. Like, like a baby swap a hospital. Yes, exactly. Know. So he's clearly retrojected all this contempt back in time, which I think we all do that. We all do that. We all go, oh, you know, actually things well, were... the seeds of things that emerge later. So the context is now he doesn't speak to his dad and brother. Um, they, in his opinion, mistreated Megan. I imagine that he sees the seeds of that beginning in his teen years after his mum died. Mm. And what he's doing is say, is kind of plotting the path. But what he's doing is probably overemphasising yes. those beginnings. Because he didn't have to go this way. If he, well, if he hadn't married, married Megan, he would have had a very different existence. Like we all would if we'd married someone else. Yeah. And I think that he's over-egging the pudding in terms of its origin. Because I think he wants to, well, clearly he wants to apportion blame. Yes. But whenever anyone says anything where it's black and white and it's all one thing, yeah, you know that there's things missing. Yeah, that's it. Because there has to be, because that's existence. Completely. I mean, there's just so many, um, so many, like, slights of this, his brother, just every opportunity in it, whenever he can get it. It's just unbelievable. I could give an example. Um, the thing about the fight, um, his constant going on about his, how his brother didn't talk to him growing up, um, the, the comments about his looks, oh, his hair loss was alarming, he doesn't look like mummy anymore. It's just like, I, I mean, there's more examples than I can count. Harry's hair loss is coming on quite swiftly himself. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, this, these, I mean, I feel like, his poor ghostwriter was like, oh, you know, there's some literary examples of similar stories. You're kind of like the Buddha and you're kind of like Hamlet. And those are just kind of like put in very sideways. In a, a ham-fisted way. In a ham-fisted way, yeah. The whole I, thing is very ham-fisted. I feel like he could have made this comment about his brother saying she doesn't look like our mother anymore. And it disturbed me yes. that she, I couldn't look at him and see my mom. Yeah. He could have put it in a less vicious way. But it's clearly, it's clearly it wasn't quite, put. It wasn't a sweet way. No, no. it's very vicious. Well, but what else? What else is there? The thing is, is, there isn't like a big takeaway from this, other than the biography. This is my final take. It it lacks a certain subtleness. It lacks a certain insight. It lacks honesty and authenticity. It's very clear that there is a narrative that's being pushed, that's that's being pushed onto the reader. I didn't walk away thinking I understand more about the royal family. I understand more about the British upper class. Or him. Or him as a human being. It just felt like there is a narrative. I am fueled by pettiness, resentment, and bitterness. He's very sore. And very and, and soreness. And I'm going to try and retroject all of that back into my life when I probably didn't feel it At as a 15-year-old. Um, or it's in a normal way. Like, this is the thing. Because he's a prince, his expectations of how he's treated is so high. It's normal if your elder sibling doesn't want to speak to you in public. Yeah. This is a normal experience. But he doesn't know that. And he, if someone told him, he'd be like, but we're princes He'd probably think that there's some brotherly thing going on. It's like you're not that exceptional. No. You're not exceptional to these dynamics and, and I families. I was expecting at least one line of um, 
some mention about the reality of the life of the British public. There wasn't a single... A single because um, he he has travelled to poor parts of the world. Was there any recognition of wealth inequality or? I mean, I think I haven't gotten to the part where he goes to Lesotho, but I mean, for me, what's more interesting is the British public. Yeah. At one point, he's talking about Eton, and he says, "Oh, I look out over the Thames, and I see all the ordinary people living their ordinary lives. Wouldn't that be fabulous?" Or something. I mean, I'm being a bit glib, but that's the sentiment of the sentence. And I just wanted to be like, you don't have a fucking clue. Fuck off. Even if he could have named three things he didn't have because he's famous in the royal family and said, I wish I could be a normal boy there for a week. Yeah. This would have been a much fairer comment. Yeah. I mean, but even still, I think one comment about, oh, when I was having this fight with my brother, the British public didn't have heating in their home. People were committing suicide from being locked in tiny flats um women were getting battered by their husbands because they couldn't leave just during people COVID, yeah. elderly the elderly were dying without having anyone there to support them as they died like something a single nod to the fact that you acknowledge the british public in any way i don't think he can because i think probably from that background you're taught you're so every every message around you from the way you dress from the way people approach you from um, the curtsying and the bowing and the where you live and the security with you everywhere, every message you get your entire life is that you are better than the British public. Well, it's that you're on top. You are literally on top of the class structure of power. And I think why he's gone so far to spin this story of like, everything is awful, poor me, a a real classic sob story, right, that's really over-egged, is because he's actually so on top. Yeah. He can't really see how implausible that is. It's like, honestly, if I ever met him, I'd just say, you know, my friend had to throw a polo game because you were on the other team and you were losing and you probably didn't complain, but they were told you all have to lose in the second half of this match because Prince Harry's on the other side. You're not below. Yeah. You're on top all yeah. the time. Yeah. And if you're fucking feeling sorry for yourself... Go do some work in the world with people that actually have problems, including in your own country. Go volunteer at a fucking food bank. Yeah, exactly. It just makes me a bit sick. I can't really handle... And this is like the anti-monarchism. Like, I'm sorry, you don't work hard. If you look at Prince William's schedule, the guy goes to an event every second week. Yeah. Like, these people don't have a single idea of the reality of life of, like, regular British people. You know Prince Charles once got a servant to come get something out of the bin? Or put something in the bin? Yeah, I think yeah. he literally, it was like something like a snotty tissue or something he didn't want to touch. So he, like, rang a bell and was like, oh, um, oh, there, could you just put, put that in the bin? The bin was literally next to him. So these people have had everything done for them, yeah. including had things put in the bin for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. And you know what? I was, if it was a really good book... What it would be, it would be like a, a bit of an Aaron, um, what's his name? Fuck. It would be a funny um, kind of insight into what life is like with those kinds of people who can't yeah. do anything for themselves. And it would be self-aware. Funny, and funny anecdotes. And fu- well, more than funny, yeah, I guess funny anecdotes, but looking at it and going, how ridiculous is this situation that we have this completely random family by accident of birth who now have all these bizarre 
taboos and weird traditions and can't talk to each other like normal humans. And, and that would be a lot more undermining for the monarchy if he doesn't actually want to undermine them. That's what I find strange. Yes, he doesn't yeah. want to undermine them as an institution because he clearly actually likes de facto still being in it. But he just wants to hurt them. This is this is what I find really strange. Well, this is kind of like, you know, he says in it, his brother and his and his father were just like, but, Will, but Harry, what do you want? Yeah. And he was like, you don't know? And they're what, like, what does he want? I'm still left. And the, he's like, this whole book is to write to my parent, to my to my father and brother. So they understand what it's been like for me and what I want. I don't know what you want. You could if, have sent them an email. If you if you wanted to abolish the monarchy, I'd be like, okay, I get it. That's a pretty strong point. If you wanted to have your wife, I don't know, your child have a title, whatever, it is completely opaque what he actually wants. And I just don't have respect for this, like, liberal, oh, my individual truth when I was on the top of a brutal institution that has subjugated millions of people my life was really hard i don't understand how the conclusion isn't we should end that institution yeah or the conclusion is is something else like i don't understand being this cutting about an institution that you don't even want to abolish or you don't have any you don't seem to have any insight into how honestly it's just sibling rivalry and saying fuck you dad like writing a tell-all book is the one is probably the worst thing a royal family member could do to the others. It's horrific. It is fuck you, dad, and fuck you, brother. That's all. It's very, very. And he immature. says, "Oh, if I written, I, there's things that I didn't write that if I wrote, I'd never be forgiven." I don't think you'll be forgiven for this. I mean, I wouldn't forgive my sibling. No, I wouldn't either. For, for this, I mean, it's just horrible. It's really, really horrible. Well, it's just taking, it's taking things that have happened in private and making them public. I just don't really understand that. And the, and the other Unless thing- you have no respect for the person. Yeah. That's what it demonstrates to me, yeah. is that you have no respect for them and you don't care about any harm caused. If that's the case, yeah, fine. Everybody does that once you no longer respect each other. And this is what I just want to ask Harry if I had the chance. is because every time we have the monarchy debate in Canada, elsewhere, and people end up asking... What's the point of the monarchy? You always have a monarchist rock up and they say, well, the point of the monarchy is democracy is very unstable. So you have a a monarchy with a royal family that represents stability throughout time and constancy. And so even if things go tits up with the parliament and with the democratic processes, we still have this symbol of the state that is secure. And you go, hey, what about all the genocide? They go, "Mm, but it's really stable. It's the most stable system of government. All the other ones, all other kinds of democracies. That's always the argument against democracy, is it's more stable. Right. But anyway, if I were to... I would be like, Harry, so you claim to be a monarchist, you are shitting all over that stability and Mm. constancy and everything. What is your argument for the monarchy? You don't clearly don't believe in it being a a symbol of stability and security and constancy. You want to upend all of that. So what would you like it to be? Yeah. I don't understand. I just think, like, I just can't handle the amount of pain and suffering um, the British Empire has caused in the lives of people to then have this squirt. And within our lifetime. And within our lifetime. Like, look, I met people who were pushed out of windows of residential schools in Canada and are now paraplegic. I met people who have had, like, debilitating... Um, substance abuse problems and schizophrenia and stuff because they were put in schools 
in the name of this institution and, like, systematically sexually abused. Like, people who are alive now. Look what the British Empire did in Kenya. It's just horrific. And for then this fucking asshole to come around and talk about how hard his life has been without even the single bit of insight into what this institution is causing other people, except in this kind of abstract historical sort of, oh, yes, it's, there's, there's, there's nods and acknowledgments. Oh, when the British Empire fought the Zulus in South Africa, actually, who was the good guy? They were. They were. Yeah. You were the bad guy. It's very, very easy. If you don't want to be, if you don't like the monarchy, leave. Fucking leave. What's strange, though, is he'd say he has left, but clearly not. No, he's not left. I mean, he's still the Duke of Sussex. Yeah, well, and also, he's clearly not psychologically left. <laughs> he's clearly not psychologically left. And Look, he you know, if, you know if he monarchy. wanted to be a guy, that, to be honest, what he wants to be is an everyman who's also regarded as a bit interesting and special. The thing that he should have done is disappear. People would snap him sometimes, right, with cameras popping up, fishing in some random place in India, having a beer with some random person in Argentina. They'd be like, oh, this guy's living his life. You might write... Like a book under an anonymous name, you'd be like, oh, but I can't have it as much because people will buy it just because I've it's got my name on it. You'd publish something anonymously if you were capable. And he'd go home for Christmas to see his family like everyone else does. And honestly, there'd be so much more intrigue into him that he'd be regarded so much better than this. I mean, yeah, but I I don't think that was ever a possibility. I mean, I, mean, I know it's not who he is. This it's, is just, I mean, I'm talking about if I was a royal to be, that's probably, like, it'd be the best plan that I'd tell anyone. It's like, if you don't want to be part of this, you just got to disappear and live an interesting life if you can. I just think it's sick. I just think it's, it's, um, it's really, um, I, and it's just liberalism. It's just like being a liberal and going, oh, but there's complaints and I have grievances. Oh, should we do some radical change to fix those complaints and grievances? No. We'll just talk about my trauma and my individual experience and everything else. I've been just like, I think that, like, I don't, because you would then, Harry, have to accept that you are a thick, um, unimportant, unremarkable undeserving man, undeserving man who's done fuck all in his life and you would have to like what be released to the wild to what go try and find yourself your way into a profession he like makes jokes about like wasting and eating education it's just sick yeah it's just so well, sick you know, and I, I don't like I, there are scholarships to Eton, and they do get given sometimes to working class boys so yeah. he actually did waste something that could have been given to someone else yes he did yeah wow well, <laughs> I don't think anyone will be buying the book off the back of that, but I don't think there needs to be more sales. No, so. no. Thank you for reading at least, what was it, a fifth of it? I mean, I'm going <laughs> to So we could talk it. about it. I'm going fin- to I want to get to the part where he meets Meg. I, I mean, p- people hate Megan because of misogyny and she becomes the, I really think that he's actually the, the dickhead in the situation. Oh, really? Yeah, I've also I've, seen I've, things on TikTok of that he is actually the one who's noted for bullying staff uh, rather than her and that she was trying to calm calm him down. I could see I could see him being like that contempt and resentment he has towards the institution clearly and not being I'm taking it out on people and take taking it out on. on people, yeah. I could see him cuz I I don't believe those bullying stories are fake. Um I, I you just think they're misattributed yeah, to her. Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean she probably was also terrible, but differently. Differently than he was. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you. 
Tune in next week. Tune in next week, yeah.